This is the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. And I'm Jeff. At Run Pod Option on Twitter. Email us, runpodoption at gmail.com. If you're listening and you enjoy the show, subscribe, tell your friends. We just finished Conference Championship Weekend, and boys, we have a playoff. We do. There's four teams ready. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's very astute. So let's let's uh, let's dive into the playoff talk after we talk about the conference championships, right? Let's go and let's go in order here. Okay. So we have none other than Florida Atlantic, led by Lane Kiffin, who just absolutely destroyed UAB forty nine to six for Conference USA. I have two notes, and it's Lane Kiffin left, and that Florida Atlantic had nine ball carriers that all had positive yardage. I actually got positive yardage in that game, too. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, what's funny, I didn't realize this, who the running back coach was. UCS Kevin Smith. Really? Yeah, I think former Detroit Lion. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, there was about 15 Detroit Lions that played running back at, at one point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just <did> revolving door. <laughs> Kevin Jones and Amir Abdullah. Kevin Smith is going back with him to to Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yeah, yeah. That's is, awesome. How I learned about the news, really. That's adorable. The MAC Championship, where Miami of Ohio beat out Central Michigan. R.I.P. Jim McElwain's first season, despite <laughs> it being fantastic. Yeah, it's as I predicted. You you did really good on picks this week. <laughs> Contrarian <laughs> Kyle. You really did. It's so... She's done it all year. That it's working. <laughs> the Redhawks set the pace, and Central Michigan kept trying to climb their way back into it. And Central Michigan lost their first MAC conference game that they were involved in ever. So they won their last three attempts at the MAC championship. This is their first loss. So way to go, Jim. <laughs> you did round, it. Round of applause for Jim, everybody. Good job. He's Not gonna fighting. find a shark as soon as possible. Yeah, he's really <laughs> gotta get his aggression out. He's uh he watches finding Nemo with like a clenched fist. Just like. <laughs> the weird thing is that he just he just goes to San Jose and tries to punch out a hockey player. <laughs> just, he loses, yeah, he just yeah. Uh, well, they made a bowl game. Is he going out there? I think he might actually be going west. Uh, Is he going out west? He's going to Cent- yeah, he's going to the New Mexico Bowl. There he goes. Yeah. He's on the way. He can make a stop. But they're facing San Diego State, so maybe there's a chance there that <laughs> they can bring a, a one. shark player that's a big Aztec fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to skip over one here. I'm going to do Boise State of Hawaii. Of course, Hawaii didn't cover because I chose them to cover. Damn it, Hawaii. To every time... Cole McDonald, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You're so angry. The only real note I have on this, uh, there's two real notes that I have. One, are we done with the blue turf? Can we get, can we stop that? It hurts. It hurts my eyes. Only if Eastern Washington takes where their red turf. The red turf's bad too. And the gray turf that Eastern Michigan has is almost unwatchable. It's so difficult. (laughs) That's, That's just snow. It, it really looks like the slush on the side of the road before the ice, <laughs> like the, before the snow melts. They get a they get a dusting before every game. <laughs> yeah, just, just. It's like when you used to plug in your Nintendo and the color would be off. Like that's what it's like when you're watching. 
You know, I'm always like, is my TV wrong? Like, what? Yeah, well, yeah you, have, you have the RGB cables <laughs> yeah. correctly plugged in. And only two can plug in, yeah. Yeah, you have like, either, like, no audio or everything's black and white. <laughs> <laughs> You're constantly taking out the cartridge, blowing on it, because that's going to do something. You know what? Yeah. I, I swear to you, I never... So, similar to USBs, like the old USB thing, the first time you plug it in is never the right time. And you've got to do like three full times and it doesn't make sense, but it's just how it works. That's how I felt plugging in the RGB cables. Is it, It's not even RGB. It was like they were yellow, white, and red, if I remember correctly. On the old ones, yeah. The RGB, yeah. that's going to be your high def. Okay. So, yeah. So, it's, it's, it's the white, yellow, red. And the colorblind part of me... With the yellow and the white, especially when you're looking at the back of a TV in like a poorly lit room, very difficult. And I could never remember what order they went into. And it always kicked my ass. Always. Man, so it's tough for you to watch Southern Miss. Southern Miss isn't awful because they have enough black to be able to like, you know, the border of their their numbers or on their helmet, etc. So Memphis. Road Green Bay. Road Green Bay is tough for you. Road Green Bay. That's it's why I don't watch the NFL. The color rush ruined it for me. Back <laughs> the Jets and Bills game, and it was just red green colorblind madness, and I couldn't tell oh. who was. Yeah, it was awful. It was really really bad. And it was the Jets and Bills. So. Yeah, and yeah, and that yeah, exactly. So Memphis beat Cincinnati for the second week in a row, twenty nine to twenty four. Antonio Gibson went off for Memphis. Did you catch any of this game? I watched the last quarter. I saw the very beginning of it. Yeah, the last quarter was was pretty hype. And we're going to talk about some coaches here and there throughout this, but Luke Fickle isn't going to be one of them, but I'm going to talk about him right now. Well, okay, well, then you just contradicted yourself. Well, no, yeah, but I mean in terms <laughs> of new jobs. I'm sorry. Let me, let me be more clear. We're not going to talk about any coach other than the ones that have maybe moved jobs. Except for Luke Fickle. Well, Luke Fickle hasn't gotten one, which is kind of incredible to me because – Despite losing two games in a row with two different quarterbacks, they really brought Memphis down to their level for like a long stretch of that first game they played last week and then this most recent week. And I guess I'm happy for Norvell that he's going to go to Florida State now. Good luck. Sure. I kind of wonder if the winner of this game would have gotten the Florida State game. It sounds like they were talking to Norvell before this game even because he was locked in, what, Sunday morning? Right before the game, I want to say there was an announcement that it was a possibility. Yeah. And then increasingly with like every quarter that passed, they're like, okay, well, they might just announce it during the game because there's more details coming out and more details coming out. Initial reaction to it, I think Florida State got a really, really good coach. I agree, but, you know, we'll see what he can do down there. It might not be enough because they think that they need to be winning 10 games a year. Like, immediately. I hope he gets more of a chance than Taggart. I agree. And he's probably going to take a hit. They probably have worse facilities than Memphis at this point. Because Florida State has, like, I believe it's no on-campus, like, indoor facility to practice. No, they were trying to get one built. In Florida? Why didn't they hire Greg Schiano then? Because that's mandated with any job he takes. (laughs) He comes with his home on a trailer, and behind his home is... The indoor football facility that he demands he's riding into town. It's the facility clause. I'm curious how patient Florida State fans will be because their offensive line is still probably going to be trash next year. And who's going to play quarterback? I don't 
I feel like they're going to need to give um, Norvell a couple years to kind of build things up. What do you guys think? I, I definitely agree with you, but I believe Norvell's ability to really take a playmaker regardless of his position and make the most out of him because he's all season been just taking receivers and putting him at running back or running back and putting him at receiver and just really putting explosive dudes in space when he can. I think that bodes well for him to start with what is going to be a pretty torn up roster, but there's going to be dudes that are like extremely fast or extremely athletic that even if they're not refined, he can find a way to get the most out of them. What's sad is that he's, that he's arguably going to a worse conference. <laughs> Statistically, that's correct this year. <laughs> so maybe he's not going to have a problem. I don't. Know. Yeah, he'll just cruise. Yeah, he's just he'll he'll, he'll finish right behind Clemson. They'll go ten and two. Well, nobody expects Clemson to be there. That's true. I mean, how can you possibly even expect them to? I think. Norvell gets at least another year. Let's say it just uh, it goes pretty poorly. I guarantee he gets another year and read into this whatever you like. We don't have to expand on it, but because he's a white dude, he'll absolutely get another year. With that and, and I hope well it's not like it's I hate the phrase like not all Florida State fans, shit like that, you know. But when you come to this part of the country, and you're talking about college football, there's a very real portion of every football team that has that bias. Florida State has one that's bigger, perhaps, than maybe like Oregon, let's say, or Oregon State. It's fair. <laughs> I mean, the last conference championship of the group of five variety was Louisiana visiting Appalachian State, and Jeff was at the game. I was. Uh, we were doing some investigative reporting there on Eli Drinkowitz leaving, so uh, <laughs> it was a really boring Jeff game, actually. I did. I was huddled under the the metal stands there yeah. listening to him yeah, wiretapping you can, you a call. Can find, you, can, yeah, you can find more of Jeff's breaking news at Brett McMurphy <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Jeff was hanging out with the Patriots video crew that was also in Cleveland watching the Bengals. The game ended up really close, but it was kind of a blowout to start. Louisiana could not stop App State at all in the first half, and then App State kind of turtled in the second half, and that's what made it close. It got really entertaining at the end, too, because the refs were just calling every single terrible penalty on App, and the fans were going nuts, and then like Louisiana players started fighting with App players. Like I was I was ready for it to go into overtime and the, the teams to brawl, but it didn't, so Ooh, kudos man. to App. Rural... rural. Louis- I, I hate that fucking word. <laughs> rural Louisiana. Louisiana. Rural Louisiana fighting Boone, North Carolina residents is just a uh, a dream. I know, I know it's football players, but I'm just picturing town versus town. <laughs> and I would watch that a million times. Jeff, did you jump the, uh, jump the railing, try to pick a fight with an offensive lineman or something? I did jump the railing at the end, but there was did nobody they, to did fight. they rush the field for the championship? They did, yeah. Did you jump on the goalpost and try to bring it down? I tried to jump on the stage, but they wouldn't let me. You tried to he accept kept, the, the he trophy. Kept, <laughs> he kept he kept clicking his pins at Eli Drinkwitz, saying, "Sir, I have a sir. One more question, sir, sir. Uh, are there reports that you're possibly in line for the Missouri job? So let's talk about that for a second. Missouri gets Eli Drinkwitz four million a year. I think is what the contract said. 
sucks for App State. Kind of was hoping he'd kind of was hoping he'd stick around. It's turning into Coach U over here. I think it's going to go. I mean, it's a natural progression for a program, right? Like Boise State head coaches get better jobs because of the the structure that Boise State has made for themselves, and I think Appalachian State's done the same thing. After one year, even though he's got plenty of proof of concept with his offenses at North Carolina State before that. It does feel a little weird. I wish he wouldn't. I wish he'd give another year at least. Yeah, but I mean, he's. It's a pretty big raise, I'm sure. And it's it's literally, I think, four hundred percent what he was making it at. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, you can't fault him for that. But it does suck for App State to have to go. <laughs> you lose two coaches in two years. Yeah, it's tough. But I think if I, I think Missouri, if I'm if I'm trying to put my mind in in the Missouri headset here. I think they see someone who continued a program and like the program tradition and that he might be in line to be able to rub off onto Missouri and do hopefully the same from kind of not an athletic department that's in shambles, but one that's been in such flux since the, the riots, I guess, four years ago. And then everything that's preceded that, including uh, the investigation by the NCAA. Yeah. I, I feel differently about it just because I don't think there's been enough of a sample size for him. I mean, he had a really, really good year at App, but watching the game this year versus games I watched last year, they literally ran the same playbooks on offense and defense. So, And I don't know if that was intentional or if the athletic department was like, hey, you're going to come in and run the same stuff because it's worked for us for five years. So I don't know. He's going to take over a team that's probably as talented, maybe a little more, in a harder conference. I just... I don't know. It felt like kind of a reach. At least he's we'll in see. the East, though. I'll, I'll give, yeah. you know, at least there's that. And I think there's also, it's a good point you mentioned where I think App State has the identity regardless of coach. And this year might be a really good example of that. And the inverse would be something like, say, Texas Tech that's had, they keep trying to hire <laughs> away from the air raid, but they, it just keeps coming back like it's an inevitability. It's yeah. Thanos at the end of uh, Endgame. Uh, yeah, it's just like, oh, you don't want to pass? Like, I'm inevitable. And it just, <laughs> it's Jet Duffy throwing it 50 times a game. Well, I mean, there's there's every chance that this hire at Missouri could totally – he could Chad Morris the fuck out of it and just tank the program even more. But I'd like to give him the chance, you know, give him three, four years, see what he can do. I mean, it's not like it's a traditional power. Yeah. And and I appreciate you bringing up Chad Morris for our listener, Corwin, who says we talk about him too much. I do believe that Chad Morrising should be a verb <laughs> in yes. terms of just fucking, fucking up a, 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 an opportunity going from the G5 to the P5. Well, Morrising sounds a lot like Morrissey. Both are sad. Yeah, Morrissey's extremely sad. Someone, someone, uh, someone check in on that guy every night. What was also sad was the Pac-12's playoff chances when Oregon pretty much manhandled Utah yeah. Friday night in the Pac-12 title game. This is like the saddest result for me all weekend. Me too, man. I wanted Utah to be in there just to be this weird foil for somebody, but no, not happening. The only other flip side of that, I am happy to see Oregon still fighting because I like Mario Cristobal. And I kind of like what that, like the programs, like the way it's headed into being such a physical 
versus just a purely speed team. But they outclassed Utah in almost every way. Yeah, if you if you follow any of like the offensive line nuts on Twitter, they were having a ball because Oregon's offensive linemen were just annihilating Utah's defense. And Utah's defense was one of the best, not only like rushing defenses, but one of the best defenses in the country, right? They were just they were mauling them like they stole something from them. Yeah, I think it's a good example. I think the number I kept hearing during the game was that Utah had never they averaged like 56 yards rushing allowed per game and Oregon had 239 yards and CJ Verdell himself had 208 on the ground. Let me just tell you one other thing. This is for Kyle. I thought uh future Jacksonville Jaguar uh Justin Herbert played a great game too. Well, we're not taking him with the eighth over eighth over. <laughs> Come on now. We got so many other holes right now that uh, just, just put a put a Washington State and Oregon quarterback. Just ignore the rest of the <laughs> ignore the rest of the <laughs> roster. They're just like, ooh, Pac twelve quarterback. We'll have another. Please we'll do it. <laughs> yes, please bring them in. Don't worry about the fact that our defense can't can't stop me. <laughs> the ACC championship game, Clemson yeeted Virginia. <laughs> oh, this was uglier than the Florida Atlantic game for me. Because I actually cared that Bryce Perkins looked like he was going to die every time he was running for his life. I mean, Clemson's just a class of that conference. There's no way around it. I don't think either of us are surprised that Clemson scored with ease. You know what? Actually, I take that back. I I think I expected Virginia's defense to be serviceable to slow them down, but they were still probably going to get smoked by 20, and I believe the line was like 29. Am I right, Jeff? 28 and a half. I 28 and a half. So I figured yeah. they'd lose by 20, but that was also under the, like, the assumption that Bryce Perkins wouldn't be literally the only person to do anything in this game for Virginia. They had 378 total yards, Virginia did, and Bryce Perkins, roughly 316 of those <laughs> himself. <laughs> I mean, it's just sad. It's, 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 the ACC has become Clemson and everyone else. You're in, you're out. Uh, Some coaching news from this. The co-offensive coordinator, I believe it's Jeff Scott. And Jeff Scott got the South Florida uh, USF job. Nice. I think he'll probably be okay. He's the guy that replaced Chad Morris. And they obviously, they actually got better offensively. He was also... The recruiting RIP. Uh, he was also the recruiting coordinator for nice. Clemson for I think the last like six years, uh, and he's a carryover from two thousand eight back in the Tommy Bowden days. Yeah, and they I read a, something online that this is the first uh, staff attrition Dabo's had in five or six years, which is pretty amazing. Like you'd think teams would be trying to pluck his coordinators and position coaches away, but they've been together for a while. He's been there eleven years, like at the program. Which yeah. is a really long time, and I wonder if it's been that long because he's not head coaching material, or because he was behind so many talented coaches that eventually he finally had to get his spot, and then he got his spot. And I think it's easy to overlook maybe a running back or a quarterback coach when you're recruiting five stars without issue. Moving on, I guess. Uh, Baylor yeah. and Oklahoma. I mean, there's nothing really, really nothing else. It just RIP for UVA, and I think that uh, they play Florida. Yeah, uh, can we talk about that? So, 
they basically went to the woodshed and now they'll play in the orange bowl. Like these, why are these things, these games set up like that? That's, I well, don't know. I just, it's that, it's, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the conference tie-in. And yeah. since the leader of the, uh, of the ACC is going to the playoff, you know, they bring in the, the conference, the, the next best in the conference, which is the other team in the play in the, in the championship game. Uh, you know summer. what? Let's let's do so. We're going to go to to Baylor and Oklahoma, but I do want to mention. Speaking of Virginia, we, Jeff, Kyle, and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. None of us are from here. Happy to be here, though. Happy to be here. Yep. And there is the Belk Bowl, and it is Virginia Tech and Kentucky on December thirty first. I kind of want to go to this game, y'all. <laughs> What's the what's the over under on the rushing total between the two teams? Four oh hundred. I cannot I cannot imagine, but it's got to be <laughs> insane. The over under is just a yes. <laughs> and uh, Lynn ba- Lynn Bowden Jr. has said that he's going to play in the game too. So their Excellent. quarterback is going to be the receiver. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I want to go to the game. So let's uh, we'll keep everybody posted. Which I know everyone's going to be anxious. And anybody that's listening that's in Charlotte. If you're also interested in going in the game, let us know at RunPodOption on Twitter. Maybe we can get a little uh, little meetup before the game, a little tailgate or, action. Or, yeah. you know, there's a good chance that you know us, so uh, text us. That's true. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, text us. And, and if you don't know us and you want to text us, Kyle's number is... <laughs> um, 877-CASH-NOW. It's 281-330-8004. Oklahoma beat Baylor for the second time this season, 30-23 to 23 in overtime. This wasn't really even a game. Baylor had 105 yards when they entered the fourth quarter. Who? They finished with another 122 yards after their third-string quarterback, the man known as Jacob Zeno, true freshman, through his first two passes, Kyle, do you know how many yards he gained in his first two passes? All of them. 159 yards, all of them, and it should have been wow. two touchdowns, but the second one, he got chased down and they ended up forcing a field goal, which ended up really being the difference, like, really. He also got out and broke a huge run. Jacob, yeah, Jake, dude, Jacob Zeno is, so they had Bohannon, Gary Bohannon come in. And both Bohannon and Zeno are true freshmen. So undoubtedly, one of them is going to transfer here in the next year, for sure. And his name is Bohannon. I hope so, because Zeno was built like a shit brick house, man. He a looked brick shit house. Brick, <laughs> a shit brick house? Yeah, because I don't want anything <laughs> built like a shit brick house. Because, you know, that, that means it's probably going to be falling apart. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's the opposite yeah. of the three little pigs, isn't it? Yeah. It's terrible mason work. Uh, listen, man, we know the history of the Masonic Lodge and the whole cabal, so let's not get into it in this podcast. That's for the other one. <laughs> yes. Sports trebuchet. Zeno, Zeno leading up to this game prepared by pretending to be Jalen Hurts on the scout team, which shows you the plan for <laughs> Baylor and how quickly it shifted once Charlie Brewer got hurt. Wow. He had a game. It was great to see. Oklahoma loves them a tough game, dude. They uh, 
they don't want to win convincingly ever. No, it it makes sense that Jalen Hurts uses resistance bands for like his curls and everything, because anytime it gets too easy, he just adds more resistance. And usually it's like a pick by him or maybe a poor decision. CeeDee Lamb definitely was the difference in this game too. He demanded every bit of coverage from Baylor and bet the under in the Baylor-Georgia game for bowl. Oh, man. Uh, which bowl is it? The Sugar Bowl. Because it is going to be a – it's going to be a lot of offense. It's kind of kind of struggling. Let's go Ohio State and Wisconsin. Jeff, when Michigan played Ohio State, <laughs> we said, man, they had the perfect plan in that first half because Ohio State, they were a man short. And I think it was Oko. I, I can't remember his last name. I can't. Okuda, can't yeah. Okay. Was it so, Ibukam? No, it's Okuda. Jeffrey Okuda. Matata? Jeffrey Okuda. Okay. So Jeffrey Okuda was out in the first half, and Michigan really was explosive. And then it just completely turned it on its head when Shea Patterson turned it over. Wisconsin didn't have that luxury. They actually played a really good first half. And Ohio State was both down Okuda. Oh, God, fuck me. That guy. Okada. Oh, yeah, it was Kazushika. <laughs> I can remember the New Japan Pro Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, but I can't remember the best cornerback on Ohio State's name, which just kind of tells you what's up there. <laughs> Justin Fields looked awful in the first half. Yeah. He was obviously uncomfortable. Jeff, can you count how many times you saw Captain Jack Cohn Russell Wilson comparisons on Twitter when all this was going on. <laughs> yeah, definitely during the first quarter because he was balling, and then he was he ran for a nice touchdown. He was uh, Russell reincarnated. Yeah, Russell in- inherited his body for about a quarter and a half, and Ohio State didn't look really good. And then Jack Cone reverted to the Jack Cone we know, which is missing his receivers by a yard or two, maybe overthrowing them, maybe. Skipping the ball to him. Maybe losing to Illinois. Yep. Ohio State was down 21-7 to at the half, and they win 34-21. to So, yes, Wisconsin didn't score, despite the last play of the game where Jack Cohn was running for his life down the sideline to try to make it. And about at the 6 or 7-yard line, I think, I think his ribs turned into jelly. He got hit so hard by an Ohio <laughs> State defensive player. He got, he got absolutely destroyed. I texted you guys during this game in the first half, and I was like, is Wisconsin playing the game of their life right now? They were. Yeah. They were, and and I think I mentioned it in that text, too. It seemed like every third down, Wisconsin was not only converting, but overcoming seven or eight yards. And that is not sustainable for a whole game, which ended up being true. Especially against a defense like Ohio State. Yeah, it felt like with how especially in the second half, how rough Cone looked and how much pressure he was under, I really thought that I would have seen a pick six. It is. It felt like the kind of game where an Ohio State pick six to put the dagger in Wisconsin was going to come. Well, now we get down to Ohio State. Well, Clemson's probably not that happy that now they have to deal with Ohio State. But they would have had to deal with them or LSU. And yeah, neither heard, is a good matchup. I heard the analysis... Uh, from, I believe it was Bud Elliott. And the number one seed in the playoffs has never meant as much as it did this year due to the 
Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU talent gap between them and everybody else. Because Oklahoma is the better draw. Yeah. And I think if Ohio State comes in and beats the Badgers like they did the other year, 52-0 to zero or whatever that score was. Ohio State gets the number one. I think maybe. I think it could happen. Mm-hmm. But really, I, you know, I was kind of – the thing I took back from this game is, A, Ohio State's really good, but also, B, Justin Fields, for as good as he is – there's some times where he gets pressured and it gets a little Jameis Winston-y with him not being willing to just throw the ball away. He starts to play hero ball? A little bit. And, and, and I think his leg hurting is probably not assisting in that. Jeff, do you have anything on that? Do you think that it felt like Justin Fields in the first half especially kind of felt like a standing target? Yeah, I mean, you could tell. Wisconsin has a really solid defensive line and some good linebackers because they were like up in his grill every time he snapped it and his mobility was an issue. He kind of just would like crumple and fall and get sacked. So I don't know if it's, is it normal for guys to play on a a sprained MCL? I thought that was something that usually keeps people out, but he's been, I mean, he was still running it and he was extremely effective passing. So I guess it's not as big of an impact for him. I mean, Tyler Helensky for South Carolina played on like a torn meniscus for five weeks and he was bad. So (laughs) that was probably a poor decision. Justin Fields is also an incredible athlete. So I wonder if a sprain, you said it was an MCL. Yeah. A sprained MCL for three hours of a game can be ignored with a knee brace and with medication. There's no doubt he's getting a local. Oh, yeah. Well, now he's got, though, he's now got a month to recoup. Yeah, it's actually, I think it's just three weeks even, because it's at the end of December. I thought it was going to be a month, too. Uh, Let me check on that game. It is on December 28th, and we're recording this on the 9th. So he has one, two, almost, it's less than three weeks by just a couple of days. Hmm. So we've got, he's got about 20 days. No, 20 days is a huge rest. Yeah. Especially considering Ohio State's been playing, they've been playing good opponents leading up to this whole run. It's not like they've had any weeks off, like Clemson. Which is every week in the ACC. Yep. Yeah, which which has been uh, since North Carolina. Yeah. And finally, LSU just beat the living hell out of Georgia. You know, I'm really happy about that. Me too. And I kind of I want you to give me your thoughts. Uh, I mean, they they beat the shit out of them, and I'm just happy that we can put to bed this Georgia. You know, Georgia's top four team. They should be in the playoffs, and them, you know, getting just decimated makes just makes it so, you know, we only have one SEC team in there, and it's clearly the best SEC team out there. I'm happy with the result. So happy with it. Did you guys hear a reporter had asked uh, Kirby Smart about his receivers after the game, and he gave a really funny answer because he basically was alluding to, you know, that Georgia runs the same plays as LSU, and that's not the problem, and the problem is, they haven't recruited well enough at receiver, and other receivers are hurt. Uh, it was pretty entertaining. Kind of reminded me of Saban a few years ago. 
he's not even close to being right, though. Like, they, they obviously don't run the same offense. <laughs> it's, like, there's the old adage of, like, 80% of plays are shared by every team. He's right there. But not all slants are created equal. And also, 80% of his playbook is shared with, like, a team from 1950. Yeah, and when you do the the Ask Kirby instead of the Ask Madden, it still is run, run, run. And honestly, I'll even give it to them. They were extremely aggressive at the beginning of the game. And Mm -hmm. we we saw how Jake from needed those receivers because they had pretty much their like third, fourth, fifth, sixth receivers out there. There was not a whole lot of gelling with his receiving group, but he wasn't really throwing great balls either. Like, there was a few drops, but he was leading people out of bounds that otherwise would have been a fantastic throw. Jake Fromm got outclassed by Joe Burrow 10-1. to 1. Well, I, I don't think that there's any question that Joe Burrow is going to be the Heisman winner this year. The Heisman finalists actually got announced just a few hours ago, and it was Justin Fields, Chase Young, Joe Burrow, and... Oh, it was Hurts, wasn't it? Well, there's no chance for Hurts. Burrow wins it. Down. Yeah. I don't think there's even. It's not even close. No. I don't, yeah. I think it's Burrow's all day long. I think LSU's defense should get some credit too. I know Georgia was banged up, but they only had 266 yards. I have just a list here. If you'd like for me to read them for Georgia's drives this game, and tell me if Kirby's running the same playbook. Punt. Punt. Missed field goal. Field goal, punt, interception, end of half, missed field goal, interception, touchdown, punt. Jeez. I don't have LSUs next to me, but I know there's more touchdowns in there. And yeah, and yeah it's fantastic. I think, I think I wanted to finish with this one mostly because it goes right into the playoff talk. So LSU, number one, we agree across the board. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Number four, we agree too, that it's Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So the two and three, it really doesn't matter because we're going to face each other. Let's start with this game. And we're just going to do kind of a, a very, uh, as our my former employer, y'all current employer likes to say, a high-level overview. <laughs> we're just going to do a high-level high level overview of this game. I have no idea how this game is going to end. I have no idea what it looks like. Ohio State is so good defensively. And their defensive backs are so good, and Clemson's wide receivers are so good, and like I just don't, I don't, I don't understand how it works. And I think for me, the key to this game is going to be how good Etn is at blocking and helping when he runs for a route and chipping those Ohio State defensive linemen. So here's like I, I this game is such an enigma to me because I don't know what Clemson looks like against a really good team. I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. I've watched Ohio State a lot this year, and if it's not Justin Fields going crazy, it's J.K. Dobbins. Like, can Clemson slow down Dobbins? No, Nobody has been able to. I mean, Wisconsin bottled him up for a bit, but it's going to be really interesting to see how Brent Venable's defense can match up against Ohio State. Yeah, Venable's with time is going to be pretty dangerous. And it's also those defensive backs from Ohio State up against the 
receivers from Clemson. So you got two strengths going up against each other right there. Yeah. Kyle made a really good point. We have no idea what they look like against stiff competition, right? Because their hardest game this year was probably their national championship win. Like outright. And they hammered Alabama. Yeah. I think it was on the, it was Bruce Feldman and Andy Staples talking about every player on Clemson has been in the playoffs every year they've been in school. It's wild. And I think that is probably going to end up, if I had to give an edge to Clemson, that's it. It's the experience, but it's also that they've had their entire conference to be able to put their backups in. Like, it's deep. They're all experienced. The moment's not going to be too big for them. And I don't think it'll be for most of Ohio State because they're not that far removed either. But Justin Fields, it's still his first year starting, despite being fantastic. It will be the biggest game he's ever been a part of because I guess unless you count the Oklahoma-Georgia game from last year where he was the backup. I'm very curious to see what Anthony Simmons can do against that Ohio State front line get pressure on fields, especially with him being hurt right now. This could go either way. I really don't know how to, I think personally Ohio state wins, but it's going to be close as hell and it can go either way. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, you don't even have to, you don't even have to put that in cement or anything. We don't have to put it in pen. We can just leave it if you'd like, and we can hop to the next game. Cause we'll dive into that here in a couple weeks. Sure. And and it's a just a brief announcement. We'll keep recording every Monday through to the national championship that's on a Monday, and we will record that Tuesday afterwards, and then we'll kick into off season. Yeah, cool. So LSU, LSU and Oklahoma. I think that this game has a chance to be a lot closer than people might think, and I'll give my reasoning in a little bit. Jeff, tell me what you see uh, in a potential matchup here. Or not potential in the matchup in the game that's going to come in a few weeks. It seems like Oklahoma's defense has improved. It's fair to say. I don't think they're going to shut down LSU. I think they can limit them. It's going to be really interesting to watch Hertz versus Burrow, just because Burrow has just been lights out, and Hertz has been really good. But can he be consistent for four quarters against LSU? I I don't know. I feel like you talked about, you know, Ohio State making like the dagger pick six. I can see Hurts just throwing an awful interception in crunch time to lose this game. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the two quarterbacks play. Yes. Can he limit mistakes in that game? Because I think it's going to have to be a mistake free game to really. I think it has a chance to be like a 48 45 game. Yeah, I believe the over-under was set like at 72. It opened it like it was open in the 70s, I think. I mean, it's two fun offenses playing going up against each other. I just worry because I think that LSU can score on Oklahoma's defense quite a bit. Oklahoma's I don't know how Oklahoma's defense can hold up against LSU. Or yeah, then the other way around. You know what I'm saying. Okay, so I'm gonna make the argument for Oklahoma and potentially being able to make the upset. For what it's worth, I think that I think that LSU wins this. What I look at when I see Oklahoma, I think that Alex Grinch will have a really good game plan for LSU. 
And the only thing I'm rooting that in is the kind of offenses that typically Oklahoma would see, but also his work with Mike Leach at Washington State. I think it maybe might have a little bit of an edge. So pair that with the fact that Oklahoma is a power running team, both with Hertz and with everybody else in that backfield. And then you have CeeDee Lamb to make the big play in the passing game. I think that if Oklahoma can keep the ball moving, and they're going to try to ice Joe Burrow in that aspect. I think they're just going to try to keep him off the field. I think there's a chance that they could do something there. We've seen LSU get a lot better very quickly, but we also saw them get torched by Ole Miss, where it was a running quarterback with pace. The fact that you invoked the name Mike Leach makes you a sanctimonious troll. That, you know what, that is true. <laughs> but I do think that <laughs> I do think there's an edge there having worked with him and knowing Joe Brady runs a different system, but it's not that unsimilar from the air raid concept with the route trees and everything else. So I think that I think if I'm an Oklahoma fan, that's my hope is that Alex Grinch is good enough to get a quarter and a half of excellent defense and that our offense can hold onto the ball and keep scoring, but they're absolutely going to have to be scoring touchdowns instead of the, field goals that Georgia was trying to do before their kicker missed two of them. I agree, and I also hope that Mike Leach comes and locks you in a closet. I won't have that. Uh, that didn't actually happen, uh, first of all. So let's let's put that to rest, you sanctimonious <laughs> troll. <laughs> all right, we have one question from Twitter. And then if you want, Jeff, we can talk a little bit about coaches, and we can get out of here for the night. Sounds good. Excellent. So we had a question from the Walk On Red Shirts podcast. They're a blood rival. And I like the idea us, of a Walk On Red Shirt. Why would you waste a red shirt on a Walk On? I'm more of a gray shirt guy myself, but mm. I don't know if they understand the concept. I think I think one <laughs> of them might be. In fact, I'll tell you right now. Let me pull up. So they have two hosts, Jake. A guy who goes by Et Versace Caesar. <laughs> but he's a pro wrestling fan, so I'll give it to him. Ah, nice. Like it. So he's a Hurricane fan. Oh, take Jake it away. Is a, Jake is a Temple fan. Good for him. And their intern, who they had eat dog ice cream when he lost a bet, which I believe the bet was Penn State beating Minnesota, if I remember correctly. Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea who he's a fan of. He did have a hashtag Bible science facts in his Twitter. Either way, so they asked us, what's the best sponsor for a bowl game this year? And they've named a suggestion they think is the best one, and it's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. I mean, that is great. So. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see it coming. I'm so ashamed of myself. <laughs> huh. Oh, let me think about this for a second. Okay, while you think, I'm going to go on mine. I I think undefeated for years on year, on year, on year, on year. In fact, I think it's only happened for like two or three years. Is the bad boys, I'm sorry, the bad (laughs) Oh, God, that's what I was just going for. Was it? Yeah, the bad boy mowers Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, Florida. Nothing oh, better than a sponsor so of eight thousand dollar lawnmowers <laughs> to really so speak to the working man. 
<laughs> I just love how it's the bad boy mowers Gasparilla Bowl. <laughs> yeah, the, gas, the Gasparilla Bowl makes the entire thing. Some people they put too much they put too much into the bad boy mowers, but Gasparilla Bowl is just too good. Also, formerly known, this has gotten a lot of. They've actually had a lot of formerly really good names. The St. Petersburg Bowl, cool. They had the. Bitcoin, St. Petersburg Bowl, the Beef of Brady's Bowl. <laughs> that was too volatile, though. <laughs> yeah, it, was just up, it has ups and downs. And then they had the Magic Jack, St. Petersburg Bowl, which is... Anybody remember the Magic Jack? I was a big fan of the Beef of Brady. I mean, that that's... That's wonderful. That's that's just good, good content right there. I'm surprised, Kyle, you didn't go with the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, being no, in Yankee Stadium. That's fine, but it's not a great name. I mean, it's... It's, I mean, it's, I, I like it. It's whatever. The first responder bowl is kind of fun. It rolls off the tongue too, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's always the gimmick that if it's a shootout or something like that, that you would need first responders. So that makes sense too. Ooh. That's just so hard to beat the bad boy mowers. <laughs> Jeff, tell me why it's the, uh, Tell me why it's the Cherry Bundy Boca Raton Bowl. <laughs> I don't even know what Cherry Bundy is. It's a cherry. I think they sell cherry juice. It's got a lot of uh, yeah. uh, exfoliation properties to it. Uh, there's also the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. You know, <laughs> uh, so much. <laughs> I was trying to find the best bowl and I was a little alarmed. There's actually two bowls that don't have sponsors. Uh, the New Mexico Bowl is just the New Mexico Bowl. And the Camellia Bowl in Crampton, it's in the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, also doesn't have a primary sponsor. So. Well, yeah, did you know that? Did you know the, st- the story on the New Mexico Bowl situation? So it used to be Gildan. Yep. And then they had a new title sponsor this year, and they discovered about midway through this season, maybe it was midway through the year, that that company was fake. <laughs> Jeez. How did they? How do? How did the uh, walk on, red shirt walk on podcast walk on red shirt podcast not pick the Independence Bowl, which is sponsored by walk ons? That you know what? That is a good, a really good question, and I'm going to ask them through this podcast to explain themselves. I think that's the best thing that we've ever done is asking right. that. I agree. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's go to coach talk. Oh sure. Okay. Kyle, did you give an answer? I'm sorry. <laughs> I did. It was a guess. It was a bad boy mowers. Okay, so we had the same ones. Typical, yeah. typical. And Jeff, yours was. You know, I th- I think I'll pivot. Um, I'm not really sure why this is listed, but for the Bahamas Bowl, it says Elk Grove Village, Illinois, is the sponsor. Yeah, I don't. I know it was. <laughs> I know it was. I know. I know it was last year because I remember seeing the commercials. I'm a little game. confused. And it was really, it was really, uh, it was really odd. And I'm going to go ahead and look up sponsor for the Bahamas Bowl. Yep, it's still. Uh, oh, you know what? What? It's the Makers Wanted. It's the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. That's, uh, it's, that's the business slogan for the Elk Grove Village, which I can only assume is a business park outside of Chicago. I just really want it to be like like the mayor signed off on this. This is our bowl. Yeah, it's, yeah, the, yeah the, the mayor it ran on a platform of like, we will get 
the naming rights for the Bahama Bowl. I still miss the Popeyes Bahama Bowl. That is truly a great name. <laughs> well, they ran out of they ran out of the chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they had to shift resources. You know what? After after this after this year, uh, this fiscal year for Popeyes, they might be back in the game soon. Maybe New Mexico, the Popeyes New Mexico Bowl. No, they, it needs to be in Louisiana. It needs to be something in Louisiana. The Shreveport Bowl, they can do it. Yeah. Or the New Orleans Louisiana Bowl. Louisiana fast, man. Yeah, no one wants to go to Shreveport. Except the Miami I mean, Hurricanes. Is that where they're playing this year? Yeah, they're in the Independence Bowl. Do you want to do that? Do you want to talk about some of the bowl games that you like uh, on here instead of our coaches? And we can do that another week. Syracuse isn't in any, in any bowls, so I don't like any of them. Understandable. Let me look up the bowl schedule. Hold on. How about the Citrus Bowl, Jeff? Uh, Michigan and Alabama. You know, Michigan said, we want Bama, and the Citrus Bowl answered our call. We're ready. I think Michigan might win this game. It really depends how motivated Alabama is. How many of their players are sitting out because they're going to the draft? Yeah, I'm really hoping that's the case. Otherwise, we're going to get obliterated. So, pray for Harbaugh. I am slightly bummed out about Memphis and Penn State now that Norvell's gone. Yeah, because I feel like Memphis would have really given them a run. Penn State Penn State is, being honest with you guys, not as good as I think their final rankings say they are. They have a really stout defense and an opportunistic offense, but they really haven't been that impressive this year, and they just have kind of stuck where they've been for a lot of the season. No, but they will be entering the game with their biggest Achilles heel, which is Ricky Ronnie, who took the Old Dominion job. That's true. They'll probably score 50 points now. Yep. Yeah, now they're going to light it up. I'm kind of excited for uh, the FAU-SMU game. That should be fun. I think it should be good. That Virginia Tech and Kentucky game I mentioned before, excited about that. Also, kind of excited for Kansas State and Navy because I know that game's going to take like two and a half hours. Um, I like the fact that Georgia Southern is playing Liberty in whatever is the, the Cure Bowl. It's the cure for Hugh Freeze's affliction. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be trying to figure out like how to get Hugh Freeze out of a bed. I mean, that's wonderful. <laughs> he just stays overnight in the hospital bed. Which is in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> he will always he will always be coaching from a hospital bed high upon high. Okay, there's the the Chris Peterson Bowl, uh, the Las Boise Vegas State Bowl Washington. Washington and Boise State. Yeah, it's fitting that'll be his last game with Washington too. So I imagine I think that game is probably going to be really atrocious to watch, but I think it's going to be pretty cool from like just an emotional perspective seeing the guy who helped raise Boise State to another level that they are already getting to. And then taking a bigger job, doing great things at Washington, and kind of, it's an appropriate send-off. I like the oh. idea of Western Michigan versus Western Kentucky to see who the best Western is. <laughs> Ooh, it's a good old-fashioned Western-off. In Dallas. In there first responder. Oh, it it's in the first better. responder. I am thrilled. And Western Michigan is, it's a, it's an offense versus, it's a strength on strength. Western Michigan's offense, Western Kentucky's defense. That might be really fun, too. That's a really good shout. I am not interested in Boston College Cincinnati. <laughs> Didn't Boston College just let go of their coach? 
Yeah, Dazio's gone. Thank God. Wow. Yeah, I'll be interested if they have a new coach by the time because it feels like they're the one P5 school, unless I'm forgetting somebody that's still vacant that I just haven't heard any rumors on except for Jeff Munkin. I've heard Jeff Munkin. It's because no, they didn't want to go seven and six anymore. They'd rather go six and seven. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're trying to decide which side of the which side of the fence they want to land on. Um, and also one last one. I'm like eerily interested in Tennessee, Indiana. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. That should be a lot of fun. And good for Tennessee and Indiana. Is both. Penix gonna be back, or is he on the shelf for this? Uh, so that game's on January 2nd, so there's a lot of time between now and then. I'm not totally sure what Phoenix's uh, injury was, so we'll learn more, obviously, and as we go along and preview some of these games. It was probably oh. a groin injury. Minnesota and Auburn really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I'm afraid Minnesota's going to get just absolutely destroyed by Auburn. That worries me a little bit. It looks like Matt Campbell will be facing his future employer when they when Iowa State plays Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Do you think that Notre Brian Dame. Kelly sacrifices himself like right <laughs> on the field, and then they just bring Matt Campbell in? He's not Urban Meyer, Kyle. Stop. You know what, Kyle? You're going to Universal <laughs> Studios pretty soon, and yes, I'm not totally sure why this made me think of that. But <laughs> when Lane Kiffin was starting to be rumored for the Ole Miss job. In something that's not related to Harry Potter at all, but in fact, I think it's the Pope. When a new Pope is announced, don't they have, like, smoke from the chimney? Yes. Okay, so in, on the Ole Miss, I think it was, like, their main their main building on campus. They had smoke coming out of their chimney around the same time. They also had a basketball game going on where they were playing uh, Quad City DJ's uh, 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 Ride the Train. Come the on, train. Ride the Train. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were going all in on the Kiffin bit. And he was kissing babies and shaking hands when he landed at Ole Miss today, I believe. I hope you guys saw the video. After he kissed the baby, the guy mentioned to him with the camera recording, you better get yourself a burner phone. That was the best part. Like, Ole Miss fans have fully embraced. (laughs) Oh, they're just going in the hard lean right there. There was also the quote from Lane when he got asked what it was like getting off and having all those people there and shaking hands and kissing babies. And he said, well, it's definitely like better than the last tarmac situation I had. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad he's also embraced the whole bit too. I think he's got a really good sense of humor. Oh God. The SEC is going to be real fun next year with him there. All right. I think, uh, I think that's going to do it for us. We only have one game this week. I'm not even going to track the pick army Navy. I think Navy rolls gentlemen. Do you have anything against that? I think the Air Force gets dropped in mid-game. Ooh, that's and typical. Typical Air Force dropping. Yeah, yeah, they're they're going to be actually airlifted in. They're actually going to have like a uh, like a death match. Whoever wins this game will then have to play Air Force immediately after. It's just a continuous football game until one stands. The Citadel <laughs> is going to be the guest referee. Ooh, Citadel guest referee, Merchant Marines. They'll just be working the concession stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Merchant, get it. I get it. Coast Guard's going to be security. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Enjoy, I guess, really the week off. We've deserved it, I think. We'll be here yeah. next week to record, but uh, enjoy your Saturday. 
and let's pray for snow during Navy and Army because it's always so cool when that happens. Also, yeah, yeah, we've we've earned it so much that I'm going on vacation. You know, yeah, to celebrate this podcast's first season. Yeah, just like you know, everybody else says going to they're going to go to Disney World. I'm going to go to Disney World to Jace. Cool, Jeff. Do you want to <laughs> do, do you want to say goodbye in a foreign language again? Uh, I've actually run out of foreign languages, so uh, there's definitely more than like <laughs> the four you, you, you used. uncultured swine. God, what a disgusting human being! Well, I have it in German <laughs> if you're interested. Uh, you can decide how to pronounce it. It's spelled T S C H U with the two dots over them. S S. Uh, that's gonna be a no for me, dog. Okay. Actually, it's spelled M I C H I G A N S U C K S. All right, everyone got have a great got week. Stuck on that G. Everyone have a great week. <laughs> everyone, everyone say bye. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy, and I am Corwin Heller, and we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football. MLB and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD.